Hello, you are listening to Beyond the Briefcase, a law school podcast with Sarah and Meg. Welcome back, listeners. We are so pleased to be bringing you season two of our show. And as promised, this week, Sarah and I chat about and reflect upon our first exam season in law school. Okay, so we can definitely start by just recapping and sharing with you what our respective end of terms looked like. So I can start with that. So I had a legal research and writing assignment. I had a constitutional law small group assignment. So a little seminar uh, writing project. I had a three hour open book exam for contract law. And then I had an eight hour take home exam for property law. So really quite a mix of different kinds of exams and essays as well as Uh, writing in person versus writing at home. Sarah, how about yourself? I, what I had was very similar. The only difference is really the substantive law component of it. It wasn't for the same courses. So for legal research and writing as well, I had that large final assignment. For constitutional law, since I'm not in a small group, I had a three hour open book exam. Um, We are in the same property law class, so we both had that eight-hour take-home. And I also had a small group assignment for contract law, but mine was not done during finals. Uh, My professor actually wanted to give us more time to concentrate on our other classes, so we had to submit it right before finals started towards the end of November. And then we could focus basically on studying for our other substantive law courses. So I very much appreciate that he did that. I think it was very helpful, especially since it was a pretty large assignment and it was the only one that we had during the term. So if we were to do that as at the same time as everything else, it would have been a lot. And do you know what? Actually, in retrospect, I can I can correct myself a little bit. My small group assignment was assigned like that as well. So I think that um, I'm sure at the University of Toronto, uh, the small group professors are encouraged to uh, schedule their evaluation such that it's not impeding the students from focusing on the uh, evaluations during the proper exam season. So I think mine was something of that nature as well. Um, But in any ways, I think it was a busy exam season. Um, Sarah, how did you... How did you start to prepare? When did you start to prepare? What did it look like? So when did I start to prepare? Um, I would say honestly from the beginning of the term and I think that saved me because I got quite sick multiple times during the term. And so I was constantly kind of falling behind a bit and having to catch up and falling behind. So starting my outlines from the beginning of the term actually was a lifesaver as much as people thought it was a bit crazy or uh, too early to start. I think in my circumstances, it actually saved me. So I would say, you know, my preparation was pretty consistent throughout the term, but I definitely started kind of having heavier study sessions before my actual final exams. For me, I did case briefs, case briefs every week uh, from the beginning of the semester, but I didn't seriously prepare until after reading week, which for us was around mid-November. And I, in retrospect, what I'll say is that 
I think it would have been less stressful if I had prepared even a week or two earlier um, when I started the process, just because you do forget how much material uh, like builds up, I suppose. And for me, and we'll get into, I guess, now the logistics of how exactly we prepared, but I focused a lot on the case briefs, on the facts of specific cases, and how to distinguish circumstances from other circumstances. In retrospect, I think what I should have focused on more as well was the exact nature of issue spotting. Because instead of focusing so much on the particular cases in courses, I think it would have been more uh, helpful, I suppose, to focus on the larger strategies of issue spotting. Sarah, how about yeah. yourself? Well, that's interesting because I think that's something that most law students are going to face, even my tort professor this semester, funny enough, because we are recording this after we've completed our exams, Yes, um, was mentioning that one of the difficult things with law school exams is mainly that what you do in class is not preparing you at all for what you're actually going to do during the exam in the sense that it's a complete reversal. So instead of going through how the court issue spots and how the court prepares an analysis, you have to then issue spot yourself and you don't really have the opportunity to do that during the term. The only way to do that is with practice exams. So that's definitely one thing that I recommend and that I did to, to prepare. And especially, I would say, doing timed practice exams. Um, I did that because I was worried about not getting everything everything written down that I wanted to say. And that's just because sometimes I'm a bit slower and I knew that that was going to be an issue for me um, based on just some similar type courses where I had essay exam questions. I know that it's something that I struggle with to get finished on time. And I definitely recommend this because not only are you practicing issue spotting, but you're practicing issue spotting under a specific type of pressure. And so it allows you to see how you're going to respond. Because if you do these practice exams, all of them, when you have a clear head and there's not much at stake and you have, you know, infinite amount of time to kind of find all of these issues, of course, you're going to find them all. And so it's a good thing to see how you're actually going to react or it's not exactly the same way, but, you know, try to mimic as much as possible the actual factors of an exam because that's how you're truly going to perform. If we all had, you know, a full day or more to go over a fact pattern, for sure we would write something a lot more coherent than what we're able to write in a three-hour um, sit-down exam. I really like that point. I completely agree about studying with past exams and also having a couple of them be timed. What I'll also add, now that I get to reflect upon how I did and the ways in which I prepared, I also think that sometimes when you focus too much on individual cases, you can kind of get overprepared in a bad way because <laughs> it's kind of like accumulating too much knowledge and then when you're presented on the day of the exam with a new, a slightly newly configured scenario, it becomes very tempting to regurgitate everything or to even, you know, I like what your torts prof said 
Sarah, about how the way you learn and the way the courses are structured are kind of in the opposite direction in the ways <laughs> to the ways that people actually have to write the exam. Because I think that when you're when you retain too much information about individual cases, it becomes too easy to just try to artificially apply them onto those specific hypotheticals in the exam. I hope that's making sense. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to how to put this observation more concisely. It, it, it's basically like if you have like just a whole bunch of ideas pre-configured before the exam and then it's almost like confirmation bias where all of a sudden you're trying to just tell the prof that you have retained a bunch of information so it becomes really easy to apply them onto pretty much any scenario and the thing is with these hypotheticals there's a whole bunch of issues that are probably present but your job is to kind of notice and analyze the most pertinent ones or the most complex ones so I don't know if you felt this way Sarah or or if you can understand what I'm saying I can definitely understand what you're saying and similarly one thing I would say is at the same time for practice exams not to do too many because that's one thing that happened for me is that I did some and for one specific course I thought that I had a clear idea of the pattern of questions that the professor would be asking and then I showed up at the exam and one of the questions was just a curveball and that would have been fine I think if I wasn't so sure about what I was going to see on the exam. So it completely took me by surprise and I feel like it kind of threw me off balance. And so it was harder for me to organize my thoughts and respond to it in the, this high stress situation because I was like, wait, what? That's not what I thought this professor was going to ask. So that's another thing to be careful because it all, even if a professor follows the same exact pattern of questions, even for three, four years in a row, your year might be the year that they decide to change and keep that in mind because it's very likely that that will happen. And that's what happened to me, for example. So it's a good idea to kind of know how your professor usually asks questions, but don't become too confident to rely on that too much. I completely agree. This did not happen to me this exam season. However, I have experienced that in previous uh, exam test-taking situations, um, not in law school. Also, I think that this is a problem that is very prevalent among the type A neurotic <laughs> personalities, <laughs> of which there are many such personalities at law school. This is no longer a theoretical observation. This is now a very anecdotal observation. And I think that, you know, I will now just purely speak for myself. When I study too much, when I I prepare too much, when I do too many practice exams, I really rile myself up, right? Because I keep going, oh my goodness, there's this thing I didn't remember. There's that thing I didn't remember. There's this situation that I haven't considered. And I work myself up to the point that on the exam day, I'm like a really taut wire and it doesn't take much to snap it. Right. And, and I think what you want to avoid, um, and again, for, for me, I can maybe better apply my experience in competitive piano or even, you know, running, uh, whenever you're trying to prepare for a, a competition or some kind of marathon or something in your last week or so of practice, 
you should never push yourself because you will almost always overdo it because of nerves. And that's what I'm saying where I wish that I had done even a week or two more of studying, but maybe in November, such that towards the end of the exam season, I am not over stretching and overworking my muscles, right? Uh, To the point that on the day of, if there is some kind of problem, if there is some kind of curveball, I'm not going to uh, react very adversely to it. Definitely. And then another thing, another way I prepared that was helpful for me at least, but I think this is really going to depend on individuals, on how you learn and how you typically answer questions the way they're presented in the practice exam. So I organized my outline based on how I would answer a question. So it was a step-by-step of how to determine if a specific claim arises from a fact pattern. So step one, let's say determine ownership. These are the different ways that you can determine ownership. And going on and on like that, I find that that was very helpful for me, at least for the way that I answer questions. But I think this is going to depend on, you know, how you are as a student. And then I also summarized my cases. I did create case briefs and I started at the beginning, but my case briefs were very long at first. They were like a page long for each case. And then what I did is I um, synthesized them and created smaller case briefs of a quarter page long at most for each of the cases. And I think that that was helpful because I could also go through it quicker if I wanted to make sure that I was remembering the facts of the right case and I wasn't kind of mixing up two cases or anything like that. The way I recommend to do your outline is definitely to look at different examples of outlines from students and see what resonates with you more. So I think you should be creating your own outline from scratch. However, when it comes to the general structure, I think it's a good idea to look at different examples from upper year students because I feel like it can be really daunting at the beginning in terms of, okay, how do I do this? How should it be done? What's actually going to help? Like I've never studied law, I'm a new law student. So you can kind of look at all of these different examples and then either pick elements from each one or follow entirely a structure that you've seen from another student, but really creating your outline from scratch is very important because what some people are going to decide to focus on may not be what you need to focus on. They might be things that you remember really easily and you're like, I don't need to write that down. I need to write something else down that that other student didn't write. So I think just not rely on them too much, although I think they can be a good resource. I really like that. And I I, I like what you said about organizing your notes in a kind of, uh, you know, four part, five part test or something, right? Or like just the ways in which you would even go about analyzing or first approaching some kind of hypothetical. I think for my contract class, that was a lot easier because the professor actually organized his classes in such a way where he would start with, is there a contract? And then he would go into If there is a contract, is it enforceable? Has there been a breach? If there's a breach, what are the remedies? So on and so forth. That was very, very helpful. For property, I think that, honestly, I probably should have done it in something of that way as well, right? For for me, because I've always been very academically inclined, one of the ways in which I organized it was by going, you know, what's the difference between private versus 
public versus quasi-public uh, property and then apply those larger theoretical ideas to these smaller issues of like finders or acquisition or estates or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. However, I, I think that having that kind of overarching kind of test or linear approach to analysis being the structure of your notes is a really, really excellent idea. Um, I would also say that um, for, for me, I really struggle with technology. And so the idea of having to look at things on a screen even more so than I have to already is quite devastating. So for, for me, I did make a portion of my notes on paper as well. Um, and that really forces you to condense them even more because otherwise it becomes impossible for you to write everything down without being exhausted. So whatever, no, whatever works for you, I think whatever works for you. And if you are someone that's not technologically inclined and it stresses you out, just know that you can always ask to write your exam on paper. So if it's the way that you think is going to make you answer the question better or get, you know, be able to summarize things better then I would recommend it. But also keep in mind that you don't want to have the additional stress of writing is not as fast as typing. So it's, it's really going to depend. And for notes, like I like having everything on my computer. So I was okay having everything electronically, but you can also print those out make sure that you have your highlighters, everything like that during an exam. It doesn't have to just be online, although there is that that system and that proctoring aspect that's um, important at U of T at least. I don't know for other uh, law schools, but I think it's it's becoming pretty common and standard. Let's move on to our next uh, section of this episode. How did we feel on the days of our exams? Sarah, do you want to answer this first? Yeah, well, I was very nervous, but I think I always am. So that was not a surprise. I think what's important to do when it comes to law school exams is really keep in perspective that you're going to be graded on a curve. I know that's not a fun thing, but you can look at it in a way that might be reassuring. So even if a specific question stumped you, like, for example, when that curveball showed up on my exam, it's very likely that it stumped the rest of the class as well. So it doesn't mean that because you were surprised by it and potentially didn't react to it the way you wanted to, that that means that you're definitely not going to do well in that class. Um, I also do not recommend discussing the exam afterwards with friends. I think it's the only thing it's going to do is increase your stress. Number one, because nobody's going to remember exactly what they wrote. The exams are long. You're typing nonstop. No one finishes these exams early or almost no one like these people are <laughs> very very rare so the likelihood that people actually remember what they answered how they answered it unlikely there's a lot of things that they're going to leave out also you could get the same exact grade as one of your friends with completely different answers you can have the opposite answer and the prof might give both of you the highest grade it's really so subjective it often depends on the specific professor and you can't really know which way your professor is going to lean until the exams are actually graded. So I think that's something to keep in mind. That really helped me when I was thrown that curveball because I was like, you know what, although I'm feeling really bad about this, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to actually affect my grade. Versus an undergrad, I would have known that it would have affected my grade because it's a lot more objective. But in this case, 
you really don't know until you get your grade. Also, even if it weren't graded on a curve, once everyone is done writing an exam, what are you going to do? <laughs> Like, there's even this larger, you know, perhaps more existential point of, you know, time moves forward. And who cares if you realize you got something right or something wrong or your friend realizes they got something right or something wrong, right? Like, (laughs) you can't go back to change it. So why would you talk about it, right? Like, I think that if you talk about your work immediately after an exam, you're not going to learn anything, right? Because it's going to be so muddled with emotions anyways. So so there's not even a um, reflection opportunity, right? You're just going to be beating yourself up or um, praising yourself before actually getting a grade, right? So, so I think it's a really futile experience. Um, I, I remember then uh, when I was uh, at Columbia and we were grading assignments, I had this professor who had this amazing system where she obviously couldn't um, control how her students spoke to each other after an exam or after submitting an essay. But whenever she released the grades, she never released them before class time. And she always insisted that students take at least two to three days to think about how they did, to think about the feedback that they got before reaching out to talk about it. Because that time is really needed to just sit with yourself and think about how you did. And, and I think that exact kind of approach can be applied to the day of the exam, especially, right? Because it's so immediate. You're going to be so anxious anyways. It, I like what you said, Sarah. But honestly, like a larger argument, I think, is like there's nothing you can do about it anyways. No, that's true. That's true. Um, the only reason why I'm raising that idea of the curve is mm. I feel like that's a big, big kind of doom and gloom looming concept over everyone in, in 1L. And so I was trying to provide maybe a more positive twist to it. But I do agree that overall, the best thing to do is just once you're done, you just forget about it until your grade is released. Yes. You know what I always do too? I think like this is how you train animals or something <laughs> where after you do something hard, you immediately follow it up with like a reward <laughs> in such a way where you like condition yourself over time to just be okay with test taking. <laughs> Perhaps that's a little... Um, a little radical but for me I've always found that to be really helpful we're like after writing an exam or after a competition I'll go like eat a really good lunch or something or I'll like um go shopping or something never like a nap right it has to be an active reward <laughs> the way you give a treat to a dog when it sits <laughs> so. I actually did that I am guilty of that yes after both of my um exams this term, I was like, you know what? I'm treating myself. I'm not cooking tonight. Yes. I'm ordering takeout. I'm getting some comfort food. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm just like enjoying the rest of the day. So giving myself whatever time was left to kind of not think of anything law related. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then start over the, the next day. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, for me, in terms of how I felt on the exam day, I actually didn't feel too nervous. I'm I'm someone where I am incredibly nervous before the day of the exam and then incredibly nervous after the day of the exam. But on the day of, 
I I tend to be pretty um, resigned, or like it's such that I'm just I just really want to get it over with, um, and as a result, the day of nerves usually aren't too terrible for me, um, but afterwards it's pretty miserable. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know which is better. That that's a shared student experience, I think. I think very much. Honestly, so. I am very proud of anyone that's able to completely detach you contact me and tell me how you do it because i haven't been able to you should so run far. this show you should run this show, exactly <laughs> oh my goodness okay last um last point so and, and i think we spoke about this throughout the episode yeah, but we did touch on this yeah i guess how do we want to end this episode like are there any things now that we've taken some now that it's been some time after our first exam season do we want to alter anything for our next exam season one thing i would do is to save some time i would definitely start the term doing my summarized case briefs instead of the long case briefs because i realized that doing them from scratch the long way wasn't really helpful um so it's not necessary for me to start that off and then kind of summarize them or synthesize them later i can do it from the get-go um, one thing I think that's important to note is that it's normal that you're going to change a lot from one term to the next as you're learning to navigate law school, the new exam type, everything like that. So don't be discouraged if you're entirely kind of changing up your study pattern. Um, and then another thing I want to do is go to office hours earlier on to discuss my outlines, my summaries with the profs, how I understood certain parts and aspects of the course to make sure that the way I understood it is in line with the way they are trying to teach it and they understand it. Um, just because of that subjective nature of the exams, I think that that's very important. I did do that last term, but I think not as much or as early as I would have wanted to. Um, part of what made it difficult was my different bouts of, of getting sick, but that's definitely something that I want to kind of start probably a month in this term. That's a really good point. And, you know, I'm actually going to steal that piece of advice or, or rather just take that piece of advice. Stealing sounds so terrible. Um, but I going to office hours specifically to review your outlines is such a good idea because I don't know if you've experienced this. Sometimes I go to office hours because I kind of just want to talk to the prof and get to know the prof better. But then we kind of sit in silence a little bit because we're just not quite sure what to talk about. So having literally your outlines is such a good idea because sometimes you can make an outline that completely misinterprets the idea. And so you might as well share that with the person who is going to be marking your exams, right? Like it would be so much better a month in or two months in to be like, hey, let me tell you what I think about second degree murder and say something where the prof can go, I have to stop you there. That is completely incorrect. Because at least at that point, you know, I have so many more weeks to be able to just reconfigure my understanding of that topic. Um, and I'll, for me, I'll say that I definitely need to practice issue spotting a lot more. I think that issue spotting is a skill slash paradigm that in my previous work in undergrad and later on, I am just not accustomed to it. So I think it is such a new skill that I will like to reach out to upper year students. I'd like to work with professors about it. 
and just think more about it because I think you can be a really good reader or a really good researcher or a really good writer or even a really good orator and be bad at issue spotting or, or not be as good at issue spotting. And, and that observation is very much directed at myself. Um, I, I also think that you should never, and again, I'm talking to myself here, align yourself with your grades and prevent whatever result you get, whatever result from socializing and networking and doing extracurriculars. Like do not take the gamble of trying to get the highest grades in your class at the cost of foregoing all the other aspects of law school. I think that is a really important um, thing to remember for our next exam season. But I would say also not do the opposite because I've heard both kind of extremes. So one thing to remember is even let's say if you get all P's one term, that doesn't mean that the same thing's going to happen in the next term. I've heard a lot of stories where someone got all P's and then got all H's or HH's the next term. But I've heard the opposite as well. So you also don't want to get too confident if the term went really well and assume that you know everything and that, you know, the mystery of law school exams is, you know, has been solved and that, you know, it's going to be exactly the same for every single other one of your classes. Just stay humble, continue working hard, and that's going to be very important moving forward. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, networking extracurriculars, those are things that are going to pay off in the long run. Um, even though grades, yes, are important for some positions, they're only really important when it comes to the first year positions. I think and that's so. Just because, I really think so. And that's just because employers don't have anything else really to distinguish students on because it's one term. So you haven't gathered a lot of law school experience, even if you're involved in a bunch of extracurriculars. So what can they really distinguish students on? That's what's going to be what they can actually use. But when you're going on to the 2L positions, yes, they're going to look at them a little bit, but they also want to know that you're well-rounded and that you have all of these legal experiences and that you've done research or you've done caseworker, whatever it may be, it doesn't really matter. And if you networked well and you know people in a specific firm, that is going to go a long way because a lot of it is culture. Law school does not prepare you for the specific work in most practice areas. So people want to know that you have soft skills and that you're a good fit with the firm. And that you have a good attitude and you can learn new things. Absolutely. And I think that exams and exam seasons do not prepare you for those soft skills. If anything, they often encourage students to just like hunker down and escape the rest of the world, right? So don't let individual weeks of semesters inhibit you from working on those soft skills because I say they are equally important definitely definitely I think we should wrap up I think this has been a really good episode just navigating our our first exam season and listeners will be very excited to um, share with you how our second exam season goes (laughs) thank you for listening to beyond the briefcase Next week, listeners, it's going to be the two of us again, and we're going to be recapping and reflecting upon our first semester in law school. If you like this episode, rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, check out our Instagram, 
at Beyond the Briefcase Podcast to keep in touch as well as up to date with all of our episodes. Thank you, Adam, our technical producer. And of course, thank you, listeners. I've been Meg. I've been Sarah. Bye.